0: Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way.
1: The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift.
0: And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome.
1: Jimmy, we are back again. Excited to be here with you, buddy. Yeah. It feels a little different today. Not that anyone would know, because we're coming at them consistently with these episodes, but we're recording this on a different day. So maybe they're going to get a little bit of a different you and me. Yeah, man,
0: let's see what happens.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So for those that have been along on the journey, we are taking a step further through this 12 skills of what it means to be a leader of leaders in sales. Now, you didn't have to hear the other episodes to dive in and walk away with something transforming today, they are all connected. So you're gonna get a benefit of hearing them all, but you can also listen to them standalone. So I think that's important to emphasize as people dive in. And what we're, what we're talking about today is so near and dear to my heart. I've learned many times the hard way about it. Uh, we're gonna start at a high level for all leaders. We're gonna get into specifics of sales leaders, but Jimmy, today, we are talking about what it means as a leader to perceive to perceive um and i know you've probably never had experiences in your life where you saw a reality and someone else saw a reality and they were different realities
0: yeah story of my uh the first half of my career uh, again i didn't know it going through it but the first 15 years of my career eight different companies in that time span and uh you know Every time I took a job, I expected it to be for, for 10 years. Uh, but uh, the only way that I knew how to deal with different perceptions of reality was to go find another job. You know, it was easier to, to market myself uh, uh, than to uh, go through the effort of learning how to deal with my management team. <laughs> well,
1: when you said I spent half of, I thought you were going to say my marriage
0: figuring that out. <laughs> another topic, baby, another podcast.
1: <laughs> it's all the same though. It's all the same. Like we said, last session, last week, we talked about this idea of you're, w- w- when you're healthy and secure and who you are as a leader, you're seeing where the team is at, the pace. You're setting the pace based on what they need. And as you start to get in a groove and a rhythm with them, this is what we go deeper into today. You start to see the reality they see. And this is key. If you're going to move them to a preferred future, what could be and should be true about the sales team that you're leading, you have to be able to know what they conceive of when they conceive of reality. And it's just the nature of humanity that we all have our perspective on what reality is. Um, Now, my favorite way to illustrate this, Jimmy, is going to be super deep, Uh, but it's really, really cool. Um, and I had to read a very thick book just to be able to even say a few sentences on this, so other people will get it way (laughs) quicker. But up until Newton, or up until Einstein, with Newtonian physics, we, we were so blessed with his mind because we know how to build a bridge. But Newtonian physics won't allow us to put a satellite in orbit. We need a different physics. We need Einstein's appreciation. Newton dealt in a reality of fixed laws. Once we leave certain realities like gravity uh, and, and start to do bigger thinking around what it means to be a part of the universe, Einstein said basically this, that the speed of light, that gravity bends to keep the speed of light constant from the perspective of the observer. What he was saying was this, and this was an analogy that helped me a ton. If a car is driving 50 miles an hour and it turns on its headlights, Newtonian physics would tell us that the light coming out of that car is 50 miles an hour plus the speed of light. What Einstein helped us understand was that gravity bends to keep the speed of light constant, that it really, the speed of light stays the same no matter how fast that car is going. Now, that breaks my brain. It's hard to understand. We could probably only have this conversation if...
0: You're going to bring this back to the top. You're going to bring <laughs> this back to sales leadership somehow.
1: Hang, hang with me for one <laughs> second. So what Einstein said was the gravity bends to keep the speed of light constant. Here's the key phrase everybody forgets, from the perspective of the observer. Everything that's happening is happening from the perspective of the, the observer. Even when they get into some of these deep realities in physics, You can't really measure anything because once you measure it, what happens? You've changed it. There's a lot of like experiments around this and phrases to describe this. So let's bring it back to reality. When you walk into that sales leadership meeting and you share a problem, your face expresses an an emotion. Uh, You vent about something. You casually, without thinking about it, celebrate something. And you might be celebrating something that doesn't reinforce the values you want to celebrate. Everyone is having their own experience. Right now, economically in the market, people are interpreting the data and having their own experience. Reality is happening from the perspective of the observer. And what happens for leaders at a beginner level in their leadership that is so transformational is start to appreciate Ah, they see it differently than I see it. And that's a really, really powerful understanding. Uh, How many times have you been with a team facilitating something, helping walk them through something, and you've watched it happen? Someone says A, and you're facilitating, and you go, can you state back what you just heard them say? And they go, yeah, I heard them say B. And you see it happening right in front of you, right? I think that's why I joked about the marriage example, because if you're married to somebody, you know, if you've lived with somebody for any length of time, there are moments you've hit where you've, here, I'm saying this, and they're saying that back. Now, we're talking about a sales leadership team. What about with customers, right? I'm saying this, you're hearing this. So uh, I'd be curious, just from your sales experience. Uh, no doubt you picked up on this quick and learned it quick and we'll get into the advanced level of this, but anything come to mind, uh, from a just a you know, humorous standpoint or something that <laughs> had you, uh, challenged and we would find encouragement through your catastrophic failure yeah. of appreciating that reality has multiple viewpoints.
0: Well, you know, I, I feel like, um, a great motivator in sales is, is your goal whatever your goal is right so as an individual contributor my goals were always very lofty i i was always building my systems and processes around making me the top top producer in the first year on the job no matter where i was and that's really what allowed me to hone the skills that i was able to bring then to uh, florist group back in oh six now we've been around for what. 12 years. Um, the, uh, so the experience of being a salesperson focused on a goal. Well, what's the goal? The goal was to make a sale. Well, what has to happen first? You have to have, you have to win the hearts and minds and the wallets of every member of the buying center. Hmm. Well, how the hell do you do that? You do not do that by showing up and throwing up, by just Speaking and presenting, you have to. I mean, you learn this really quickly, man. You have to make a statement or ask a question or make an observation and then get immediate feedback from them in terms of understanding what the hell they just heard so that you can course correct their beliefs because you've got to course correct then how they repeat that to the rest of the buying center. So control was really. Controlling a buying cycle is really about controlling the perception uh, of each member of the buying center. In fact, I recall, um, and this is not an innovation today, but back when I was coming up in the 90s selling enterprise software, an innovation in the business that I was part of was to actually get every member of the buying center together around a table, even if it was 15 or 20 people. to, have a conversation about why I was there, not for me to pitch, but why are you here? What are your expectations for the meeting? And do that with all 15 people. And we would spend maybe an hour and a half at times getting through that, Um, but it's a valuable conversation. Why? Because that was probably the first time and the only time all 15 members of the buying center were in the same room at the same table at the same time. Um, What a powerful way to uh, unify everyone's perception, not only of me, but of each other and the problem we're trying to solve.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And man, I'll tell you, um, whether you're doing that with a customer or a sales team or an individual member of your sales team, that being aware of the steps required to achieve that goal Uh, is critical. And the first thing you've got to do is um, understand and be understood. And how the hell do you do that? It's also extended to to training, Chris, right? I mean, you can stand up in front of a group and train them on um, the steps in a process, but don't you want them to understand it? If the ultimate objective is their adapt, them adapting it, adopting it, and then moving forward.
1: Right on. I love it. I mean, we use this phrase all the time, Getting on the same page. and And what I hope people can appreciate so far up to this point is the massive gap between the page you're on and the page they're on. And so the starting point of leadership here is just to acknowledge that that gap exists, that that reality is happening from the perspective of the observer. Uh, and then what you do as you advance as a leader is you appreciate, ah their perception is their reality why would i fight against it so this meeting that you were talking about where you got everybody together uh just curious was anybody in the room that was antagonistic or really fought for their viewpoint to be the dominant one
0: yeah yeah every right every personality is met was mentioned until chris Something that was totally unexpected and and for me this was this was this encouraged me to step into the breach even more as I did this, because one of the challenges right is you have fifteen people in a room you don't know who the hell they are and what their roles are you've really got to be more like a a conductor of an orchestra and you've never met any of the players mm. you know and so and so all you can do is step into the breach and Focus on the shared goal and lead them down that shared path. I had those people, Chris, until unexpectedly, the CFO opened up her mouth. Right, no one knew who she was, what she looked like, and there she was sitting at the table. And so when that, when uh, when the goals shifted, not just it wasn't just about being disruptive or asserting some level of dominance in the meeting. Now all of a sudden. <laughs> All of a sudden, somebody who had that um, that um, that higher level position and positional power among the group was there. It changed things. It was really it was really pretty impressive.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Like I was anticipating something different where you were headed with that because it happens so often where somebody just forces and pushes and tries too hard. Uh, And I want to spend some time around this because if we really can move from the beginner level of everyone's got their viewpoint to the intermediate level of their viewpoint is their reality, then you can move to the master level appreciation of this lesson, which would be this. I don't need to fight against that. I don't have to fight what their view of reality is. Instead, I'm looking to affirm it and connect with it and not try to move it 15 degrees, just move it one degree. One degree, one degree, one degree. That's the smooth way you operate through this change. So an example from this, it's going to have so much relevance right when I say it, you'll immediately get it. Cutting zucchini and squash last night. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, exactly. My wife had a headache. Chris, you're on dinner. I got you, I'm on dinner. And, and we had some zucchini and squash, and so I'm gonna bake it up and, and get it roasted. Really excited about this. Well, I hadn't chopped a lot of vegetables in a long time. I had a lot of vegetables. It'd been a while, let's say that. And I was using a new knife that I normally don't use to chop. So Jimmy, while I was chopping, I became very aware I was gripping the handle super tight. Okay. Just by that awareness and then relaxing my grip, somebody call Gordon Ramsay. get him over to my house because he wants to see these chopping skills. The speed with which I was executing was at a different level. And so for me, here's the idea. If you're going to move to the advanced master level application of this, you appreciate everyone has their own viewpoint in reality. I don't have to fight against what it is. I hold it loose, right? I hold it loose. I've got a grip on the handle. I'm influencing where it go, where it's going, but I'm not threatened by that objection. They may bring up in the sales presentation. I'm not threatened by that protest from somebody on my sales team. It's all information. And that means it's good. Thank you for that information. It's all helping me understand what they're seeing what they're feeling and what they're hearing in regards to this current situation um, and dude, too many times, too many times. I've blown past that. I remember one time I was uh, leading a group of about 80 to hundred people through a big change. And uh, I knew what my reality was that I was passionate about, but I did not speak with and connect to their reality and i gave them this big complicated analogy and you could tell jimmy that i lost the room Mm -hmm. and then when people came up to me afterward what did i want to do i wanted to argue with them to be right you and i have referred to that in chats we've had like the pharisees right the pharisee energy you gotta be right the purist is another term that you've used that i think is really effective um so when we talk about this idea of fighting, and being a purist, and I've got to force what I see on them, you know, take us through where you've seen sales teams botch this up, blow this up. All good humorous stories accepted.
0: <laughs> I wish I, I need some more good stories, Chris. Um, I love it. Uh, you know, what's resonating with me right now um, You know, when I was when I was going through uh, my coaching experience, um, Mm -hmm. when I left um, my my job and uh, went and got a coach and uh, started becoming more functional, you know, one of the things that was that I recognized about myself was that I was that fighter, Mm. and um, you know what what you know the analogy or the the example that my coach helped me think about was you know just just make two fists and bring those fists together face to face, right in front of your face. And that's actually what I was doing with all my clients, all my employers, everyone I had worked with in a professional environment. I had my vision to where I wanted to be. Anyone that got in my way got that fist, that, that um, you know, proverbial fist, but there were lots of folks that pushed back. You know, so I learned that whenever I push, I should be expecting push back and so and you really make no headway that that's a big part of the analogy is neither of you move forward. Hmm. So how do you avoid that? Right. And how do you avoid that and. Also, lead them so you want to avoid the conflict and lead them in a direction that you have in mind. Um, And so it's it's much easier to do that when you have an agreement as to what the shared goal is. Because so often that 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 battle. Is a battle of solutions. On misaligned problems. One person has a great solution, but they've they've defined a different problem than you have, and so you're arguing solutions. That are probably either each right or effective, but you're starting with the wrong, you're trying to solve the different problems. So why not start at the beginning? with that agreement as to, okay, what are we trying to achieve here and make sure that there's motivation on both sides and allow that shared goal, that challenge that we're trying to to, uh, overcome, allow that to become the North Star, the ultimate Mm -hmm. arbiter of whether or not you guys are on the right path, not you or the other person, not your opinion, not your feelings, but that North Star, are we getting closer or are we moving further away? Um, man, I'll tell you when when you can when you focus that way, then um, and you're constantly getting insights from the folks that you're working with about what's your perception. I mean, moving further or, or closer or further, it does it does it creates a really rich relationship and a rich tapestry, and it allows you to do what I think is the most important part of being a sales leader. It allows you to enforce accountability. Hmm. We are all accountable to the shared goal that we've identified that we're heading after. Are we getting closer or are we are we getting further or are we not moving at all? Everyone should be open to that conversation, that conversation about accountability, because ultimately it gets us closer to each of us closer to our goal, our shared goal and the other goals that we have that will come when we achieve that reality. So in that unique way, we can hold people accountable and at the same time, motivate them, which is entirely different than what happens in a lot of sales organizations where um, the sales leader feels threatened by the fact that the team isn't following, that the team doesn't respect them, that the team doesn't trust them. And instead of focusing on that, they simply resort to commands and demands, which creates a a wall between them and their uh, people. It means that they now have to uh, manipulate them to get the things done that they need to have done. And you have a much less productive organization as everyone that's listening can certainly um, remember back us to a situation where they were part of an organization like that. How do you avoid it? Um, Just what we're talking about here
1: yeah why well, you know this wasn't obviously, you know, for me, this is just springing up in the moment, um, emotionally. like this is what's so powerful about the wins method. And they really you could kind of frame this series as twelve reasons the wins method works. Because what happens if you walk through it, if you slow down, and you don't let this over enthusiasm sweep you away at the beginning or the middle or the end, then you're tuned into what their reality is. And that's really the nature of what it means to be high impact in sales or sales leadership. I'm suspending my reality to attune to yours. I want to know what yours is. And the WINS methodology is going to walk me through a framework, questions to ask. If you're leading a sales team, what does it mean for you to suspend your reality to know theirs? so that then you can match up with that and then influence them and take them where you want them to go. Um, And so, yeah, I I can't say enough about what it means to slow down and work through the process on that with with customers, but don't miss the application to leading your team. If you're a leader of leaders, you're a sales leader, um, you've got a vision, you've got a passion, you've got some kind of joy for where you wanna take them those financial goals, establishing those processes, everything we've talked about in previous episodes. But there's still something about their reality that if you're not taking it into account and aware of it, can derail the whole thing. I mean, it's change management 101, right? There's something that you didn't take into for account. And once you are slightly off the rails, the quickest way to recognize you've missed the whole impact of this lesson is when you start fighting for them to see your view of reality. You're that purist, you're that Pharisee, and you're going to get in the arguments or you're going to pressure, you're going to manipulate, you're going to cajole. You may even get mopey. All the things leaders do that, that show their insecurity to actually be with them in that place. Um, similarly to some of your experiences with coaching, uh, when I was getting insights around all this with my coach a couple decades ago now, realizing that I had gone into meetings like just with the gun cocked and ready to fire, that Jimmy, I had to be right mm-hmm. uh, over everything else. I remember I read a book uh, by this guy and he asked this question Do you want to be in relationship or be
0: right? Right. I used and... to say the same thing, Chris. I used to say, Do you want to be right or do you want to be rich?
1: Ooh. Right. I like that even better right now. <laughs> <laughs> it all applies, man. It all applies. And so I don't have to be right. I don't have to fight for my viewpoint. I don't have to fight for my perspective. I'm gonna take you somewhere beautiful. I'm gonna connect to your view of reality. I'm not gonna manipulate you. We're gonna have a shared goal, shared path, but then I'm gonna move it one degree.
0: Yeah. At time. One and degree. and the question the question is how how does that happen, right? I mean, how does that that happens to many people, right? And you know. It can be, we can, we can diagnose as being too much, too attached to, you know, your ego. Um, it could be, we can, we can talk about it being focused on or attached to a level of insecurity. Um, for me, and I think for a lot of folks in sales and sales leadership, it had to do with who I was mentored by. I was mentored by people who were super insecure, egocentric and you know that's how they treated people when you got to a certain level you earned the right to treat other people like shit, and just take the easy way just demand make demands and um, uh without regard to you know the 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 problems that you were creating uh, it wasn't your problem to solve you know you became their problem they had to solve you And it's a nice, it's a nice feeling to have that you can just do whatever you want, make and make the waves that you create other people's challenges. But at the end of the day, you know, there's no denying that you end up building a dysfunctional organization when it's not going to get you where you want to be as high as you want to be, or could be as fast as you want to get there. Uh, And so, yeah, so there's, there's that mentoring that we have. It's the fact that we don't get trained, uh, that we work in cultures that are, uh, dysfunctional, they're not healthy uh, and one thing that I had to learn was was really that i've got I had to make a decision, and I would counsel anyone on this. You've got to make a decision about how you're going to operate and not not allow um, yourself to be to be caught up in a dysfunctional environment. You've got to be the the change that you seek in your world, right? You've got to be the one that decides how you want to operate and set the example or model for the people around you about that you know the other way that life can be the other way that the organization can be uh, built the other way that we can operate the other way we can treat each other another way that gets us where we want to go faster smoother and then of course life becomes easier because then you start hiring people that think like you, you begin you begin building teams of people that share not only the goal that you have, let's make some life-changing money, but the way that they want to get there. And life becomes easier, becomes less stressful.
1: I'm so glad. I feel like A, you brought up a really critical issue. How do you apply it? And spoke to that and then B, cast a vision for the payoff of it. Um, so what I'd like to do is like, build off of that, give you what I do in working with leaders to help them in this moment with perception, reality, and then let you translate that for sales and sales leaders. How's that sound? Give you let's, a practical... Let's dig in, man. Do it. Yeah. So w- once we've gotten past this idea of, okay, their reality matters, uh, whatever, block them up from that, then it's this, this conversation. The biggest clue that a leader is running past someone else's reality, is when they make up for a lack of clarity with an increase in intensity. Um, So here's an example. Let's imagine a coach working with an athlete. We've used him before, so it'd be kind of fun to do this. Let's use Tom Brady. For those playing the drinking game, for this (laughs) podcast, every time we mention Tom Brady, there you go. Uh, (laughs) So, A coach says to Tom Brady, don't you want to win a Super Bowl? You know, intensity versus clarity. Tom, every time it's second and under five, you're trying to fake to the right. Your foot is giving that away with taking two steps and they know you're not headed there. Hold your foot, just move your arm over then go in the direction of the play. Obviously, I'm doing a hack job of this, but here's the idea. The precision and accuracy of the very specific feedback gives them a reality to attune to. So what's happening for a lot of leaders is when they're not doing the hard work of getting in there and understanding the other person, they're trying to mask over it with trying to get what they want with just an increase in intensity when master level leadership happens when it's an increase in clarity now very normal that you know i find in, in people we're working with that we're giving them direction to improve in how they lead a leader but that leader actually knows more about their specialty or their field than maybe the CEO or the VP involve them in the clarity involve them in the process. This is how you draw out their reality. You know, hey, are you happy with this result we're getting? Yeah, me neither. I'm going to affirm their personhood. I'm glad you're on the team, but I want to speak to you about your performance. What can we change here to give us a different outcome? So I might not have the specific clarity to give them, but I can ask the question that helps get it there. And then they may need time. They're going to come back to me. They may know it then, right at that moment. So if you're really going to take the impact of this lesson to its fullest extent, you're going to watch for the moments that you run past other people's reality and you make up for a lack of clarity with an increase in intensity. Because if I'm going to get them to see with me what I'm seeing, uh, like a tuning fork, I need to be able to hit that right resonant tune that captures them emotionally emotionally and that they see it with me, um, and uh, yeah, clarity over intensity.
0: So I guess the way I'm processing that, um, you know, is I go back to this idea of accountability and motivation. So there's accountability that demotivates, the kind of accountability that is maybe not clear, um, the kind of accountability that doesn't take into account someone else's perception. So. Mm. For example, as a leader, I deploy a sales process. And the experience of my people, my team is that the process is not working for them. And so they're resistant now to executing. Um, Yeah, so I can respond to that by getting louder and more intense, more demanding, uh, more threatening, more manipulative, or I can, as you've said, understand their reality, understand their perception, and um, accomplish all the objectives that I have, accountability, motivation, et cetera, by understanding what's working and not working and being willing to adapt and adopt what I've deployed to make sure that it's accomplishing everybody's objectives. So that's so giving clarity in terms of how I want this to be done, but also receiving clarity in terms of how it can be approved, that sounds like what you're getting at, at least how it, might, um, how it might manifest in a sales organization versus me getting louder and the team getting louder and having that, that battle, that impasse where neither of us are moving forward.
1: Right on, right on. An, another clue or a signal you've missed the big idea of today is if you're frustrated at somebody, you say, come on, Chris, if you're frustrated, what do you mean? You can't lead someone well when you're frustrated at them. And if you're frustrated at them, there's something about their reality that you don't understand. If you understood their reality, their behavior would make sense. Now, am I saying their behavior is excusable? No, I'm just saying it's explainable. Their behavior might be a performance marker that's insufficient and they don't need to be on the team and you're tolerating something or hiding from a direction you need to take as the leader but when you're frustrated at somebody you cannot lead them well and when you're frustrated their behavior doesn't make sense and if their behavior doesn't make sense there's something about their reality you don't understand now i wish i always lived this out perfectly i don't uh, you know one of my kids behaviors right now doesn't make sense to me <laughs> so i'm like okay how, what part of her reality do i not fully understand Right, not that it's right. so atrocious, but it's just it's problematic. So, yeah, I'm I'm all the time trying to to hold that reality in my mind. Uh, you know, not just their reality, but the overall reality. All behavior has meaning, and it's giving me a clearer signal. If I'm frustrated, you know, there's something I need to understand more.
0: Yeah, no, I I love I love this approach. I, it's you know again raising kids, man. It's like what a test because if you really do. If you want to be a great parent and you want to have a long, healthy relationship with your kids, if that's important to you, then, you know, you've got to before you lash out, you've got to. Be aware of the frustration you feel. And do your best to figure out where that's coming from. And I think you're dead on, man. It's like, where does it come from? It comes from a lack of understanding, It comes from a point of confusion, Mm -hmm. right? There is a misalignment. Between my expectation of them and their, their reality, what they're going through at the moment. Uh, and most of the time, my expectation is uncommunicated. And the more intense I get, the less likely they are to try to meet me in the middle, right? And the and the more the more the more wary they're gonna be of engaging me at all, right? Gee was engaging dad, you know. Every time I do this, I do it wrong. He gets pissed off. And then I end up not wanting to do it at all. And the same thing happens at work. The same thing happens uh, with the team you're trying to build. Um, yeah. And, and you know, and just to take this one step further, Chris, uh, one of the things that we teach leaders is that you cannot coach your team if your team doesn't respect you, mm-hmm. if they don't trust you. We talk about this idea that relationships Uh, Buying People buy from or follow people they respect. They respect people they trust. They trust people they understand who understand them. It all begins, that relationship begins with understanding. So when I am in one of those frustrating moments with my kids, (laughs) I swallow the frustration and I start with understanding. Right Even if it's something as simple as just loading the dishwasher right so what are you trying to achieve here I don't know I'm just trying to get the hell out of here so I can go out with my kids with my friends okay, cool here's what I'm trying to accomplish and so it's like you start there and it it pushes that frustration aside and it actually builds a foundation that you can you can build upon with each you know subsequent interaction it's just it's remarkable and it's and I think it, it just flows from this conversation we're having today. is fantastic.
1: Right on. I think, uh, you know, a a piece of dessert to serve after this meal as we close this episode is just to say, you know, if you've got people on your team that you don't care about having a long relationship with, you're going to be ineffective at some level leading them. If you're not happy to get in the car with them for 8 hours on a road trip and this is your key leadership team, you may not feel that way about everybody on the team. Um, you know, there's something to pay attention to because you will be it is so much easier for you to tolerate a level of frustration at leaders or team members that you don't really enjoy and you're not going to you're not going to lead them at their best and you're not going to have the impact that you could have if you built high impact, high quality, deep relationships on your teams, just like we would talk about with our kids, man. The way to live, baby, the way to live. So go further on this skill, apply what we've laid out, the other lessons that are all connected. And I'm already getting excited about
0: next week's episode. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com.
1: And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.